Hi, I'm Thomas Russo and you are listening to the Ace Space. Oh, what a way to finish! It's a second match point saved! As Thomas Russo hammers an ace serve. Hello everyone and welcome to the Ace Space, the volleyball podcast brought to you by CEV. Slight change of team sheets today. I've decided that we're going to go co-presenter, then guest today. But very quickly, Matt Rogers, how are you? Yeah, really good, Dave. Yeah, really good. Nice to be back, that's for sure. Great to have you back and great to have you back as well for another episode. Thomas Rousseau, hello. Hi, happy to be here. Uh, Happy to have you. Well, since the last time we spoke, anything fun to report? I hear you've got a new roommate. Yeah, yeah. We have a a German roommate, a German flatmate, actually, uh, who uh, yeah, a friend uh, that I met actually long story in Egypt um, he's working in Brussels uh, business school Solvay business school and he was like yeah do you still have that extra room because I need room here to f-. he's like doing his internship at a Procter and Gamble and I was like of course so yeah we have a housemate here right now oh nice yeah so talk to me talk to me about languages because Obviously, you're you're Belgian, so you've yeah. got good English, good Flemish. How's your German? Uh, okay, okay, I'd say. Great. Okay Decent. means fluent, Dave. Yeah, that, that... yeah okay, no, I, no, I, I've no, learned that. Definitely not that fluent, but I'm trying to speak some German with him. You know, it's fine. Oh, nice. Could you have a conversation in a bar and order a beer? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that's that. In our mind, that's fluent, <laughs> yeah, isn't it? Dave? Yeah. <laughs> Any others to re- to talk about? uh italian 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 because i played a year in uh in italy and uh, every player knows when you go to italy gotta learn the language beautiful language to learn uh yeah french is uh, also a language we speak here in uh in belgium in the south part of belgium and yeah that's about it luxembourgish that's where the CEV headquarters are based for those yeah. that don't know and uh, yeah quite cl- quite close to Belgium yeah. Yeah. actually we we just drive through Luxembourg I haven't even like you know when we're going on holidays I haven't even like been in Luxembourg besides like a gas station uh, I was going to say that everyone goes to yeah. the gas stations because the tax is lower yeah. so yeah cheap cheap fuel, fuel yeah. up and leave exactly. Lu- oh yeah leave Luxembourg full that's the thing before you go to France or something yeah <laughs> How interesting. Uh, Today, Thomas, we would love to talk to you about the Belgian national team. And we've kind of got to know your route into volleyball and and the the volleyball school and the fact that that gave you all the opportunities to turn pro. But in fact, let's start at at the volleyball school because when you... what's, What's the process there? Do you apply? Are you accepted? Do you have to be of a certain level? Or is it just for youngsters who are... Oh, well, who are interested well, in volleyball in um in flanders so we are a crazy country even on a political level we are a crazy country there's flanders and wallonia and then there's brussels and all these entities and then there's the three different languages which is a small part german french and flemish and all of these entities have their own parliament and their own uh kind of like uh then we also have a federal government you know but everybody has to work together in this small country and it's really hard that's why we also don't have a government yet right now because uh, everybody's been taken into consideration and in volleyball we're already such a small country 
and there they divide Flanders and Wallonia even. So in Flanders, you have the five provinces and there you play like, you have some kind of tournaments of the best players of every province that play these tournaments. And then there, there's kind of like trainers and certain like scouts who pick out the talents and say, you can go for a tryout because you might be able to go to the volleyball school. So you do the tryouts and stuff, but you also need to do like a, a measurement, um, a prediction of your length. So you go to the hospital and they like take like some x-rays of your hand and then they kind of are able to predict how tall you're gonna become because obviously you have to be tall to play volleyball and then when they see okay this guy might be a good like receiver or opposite um and he's gonna normally like grow to a certain length then they let you in and then uh you have the choice still if you want or not you know so it's kind of like a selection process uh which is quite interesting and so that's only for the Flemish players. So for example, even if there's good players in the south of Belgium, they rarely go to the volleyball school because A, they don't speak the language and B, they don't really care that much about the south of Belgium because they have their own federation, volleyball federation. So these two volleyball federations are working together, which is completely nuts because our country is already so small, you know? So in the national team, for example, we have about two players from the south of Belgium, from Wallonia, and the rest is all from Flanders. Can I start with the obvious question, Dave? <laughs> Please do. Are you on course or already reached your expected length? Uh, so I was supposed to be 1 meter 98 and I'm 199, so... Oh, overachieving. Even over, so it's great, yeah. Throw the science out. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Uh, and the second question, what is the youngest age that the volleyball school kind of starts? It starts what... at the age of um, 15 years old. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So it is quite, quite developed yeah. by that, that point. That, thank you so much for that insight, by the way. That yeah, was absolutely fascinating. Complicated, but our, our country is a little complicated when it comes to that. So for those volleyball athletes in the south of Belgium to to sort of reach the pinnacle and, and wear the, the Belgian jersey. It's a very, very difficult process. Yeah, in my opinion, it is. And so my dad is from Wallonia, from the south of Belgium. My mom is from Flanders. Um, and for my dad, as uh, being a player from the south of Belgium, it was way harder, yeah, to get into a national team, uh, the national team of Belgium. And, uh, yeah, he had to go to Flanders to, like, some club teams because most of, I think, like, um, there's two teams in the south of Belgium and uh, on the highest level in the Liga A is the highest and the rest is uh, from Flanders. So it's, yeah, it's, I feel like it's kind of a disadvantage for them sometimes to, uh, yeah, to develop and to get like better, faster. But uh, it's more like a political uh, thing, you know, which is a little stupid in my opinion. Um, so you, yeah, you went there at 15, but I'm assuming you started playing way younger. Yeah. Right? You must have been playing playing with the volleyball as a baby. Yeah, at the age of five, I started playing. That's like, when you say playing there, you're meaning like peppering? No, I mean like or... going, like signing up with a club team, you know, like, uh, wow. yeah, there where you have, I, I think we had like two or maybe three practices uh, a week at that age, you know, and it's just like, yeah. yeah. And was it always then in your mind to be a, a Red Dragon? It was always like, did you feel like it was an inevitable or did you feel like it was a goal I, that you know, was maybe you It was a goal for sure, yeah. It was a goal. I, don't, I didn't think it was going to be, uh, it was going to happen for sure, but I wanted it 
really, really bad. So yeah, then after a while, when you get older and you see like, oh, I'm getting better and I'm getting to practice with the national team already, you know, even if I wasn't part of it yet, like that's getting closer, closer and just, yeah, it's the whole like way or like road to the national team, because it is still an honor. It is always an honor, you know, uh, fortunately for in some countries, it's a way bigger honor than in others. For example, I think if you are part in Poland, where I play uh, for the club team, if you are part of the national team in Poland, you made it in a sense, like volleyball wise, it's huge. In Belgium, it's different because Belgium, uh, volleyball is not as big as it is, for example, in Poland, but it is still an achievement, you know, that I am proud of and everybody should be proud of. Um, so, yeah. Where would you say volleyball ranks in terms of the sports in Belgium, like the most popular and the, and the least yeah. popular? Um, soccer, eh? king soccer, uh, king football. Uh, for sure is number one. You're saying king football, not like not like in king football. <laughs> I'm saying it like you know, this it, it is everywhere the same in Europe. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we have we actually have a really good field hockey team. They like became world champion I think one or two years ago. So field hockey is really on the rise. Uh, and then cycling is huge in Belgium. Mm. Cycling is a uh, is really like the sport of like the people uh i would say yeah and then obviously like you have basketball i think volleyball is a little little more popular than uh, basketball um and then it's a couple of like yeah sports where we have an individual who's good in you know this or that or um yeah well we, we've seen that popularity dave obviously because at Eurovolley and stuff like that you're filling massive halls for volleyball yeah so it got better it got better for sure uh with our national teams with uh the red dragons with the yellow tigers um the results were getting better and they also had just like a better um how to say like strategy i guess like they wanted to be more professional and they became more professional you just saying about cycling there there's a there's a young belgian cyclist called jules hesters i don't know if you ever come across him um he taught me how to make a toasted sandwich in those hotel toasters you know those crazy <laughs> ones that go around honestly he completely changed my life did jules hester's uh, but anyway that's... <laughs> um yeah we we digress um you've said red dragons there and no matter how hard i look i can't figure it out why are the men's team called the red dragons and the women's team called the yellow tigers honestly i have no idea oh um, i think i think i have a clue and um, it was, we had one libero, uh, Stan de Jonkere, maybe you knew him. Um, he's not playing volleyball anymore, but um, he was, uh, he has his own uh, freelance company now. Like he's uh, like making some kind of uh, productions with cameras and stuff. Um, and of course, he, yeah. Yeah, and he, um, he was like, yeah, we need to you know, put ourselves out there. We need to use social media. We need to create more like a like kind of a brand in a sense, you know? So I think it was initially more him who who came up with the idea, guys, we need to find like a name because we have the Red Devils and, you know, we need to like, you know, have an, an identity. So I think that is like kind of where it started, but yeah, like the official meeting where we said, we're going to be the Red Dragons or something. I wasn't there. I don't remember anymore. Okay. Yeah, it probably started as a social media account yeah. and then got adopted as yeah. the, the name of the team. Yeah, probably. 
Bats. And have you been taught how to do dragon impersonations or anything? <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> well, when we did one with the Lion King, we were getting lion lion roars. Yeah. And, you know, the beach guy, Alessandro Samuel. So, just wondered in your media training if you've been taught no, no, anything no, about no, dragons. No, no. How, how would you impersonate a dragon? I'm sure I could ask my three-year-old and he'd tell me, but I don't know. <laughs> yeah, you're not gonna, I'm not going to try even so. <laughs> no, Sorry, it's, it's, it's not something I'd want to do either. Don't worry. <laughs> oh, wow. Um, but uh, sort of we need to stop talking about the school eventually, but I'm just interested in your, your kind of pathway. When you started at the school, was playing for the national team a sort of carrot that was dangled in front of you as if to say, if you do well here then this is a possibility. And did everyone who started the school when you started think that it was something that they could achieve one day? I think so, because uh, in the youth categories, like you are youth, junior, and then you're senior, um, you're playing all these uh, European championships and world championships as well, you know? And I think 95% or 90% of the players uh, of those youth teams already were... Uh, players from the volleyball school so um so i think like you know i'll have the biggest chance if i'm in volleyball school to get there but there was always exceptions there is always certain players um like i said a couple from like the south of uh, belgium like for example francois lecai is one kevin klinkenbeck um who didn't do volleyball school but still they managed to get into the national team so but the chance is much bigger obviously and is there anyone that joined the volleyball school with you at the age of 15 and is still playing with you now in the national team? Is there anyone that's done that whole journey with you? Uh, yes. Um, for example, but he's one year younger than me. For example, I don't know Van der Velde, the middle blocker. Uh, but you know, I, I came like 15 years old and there was uh, Sandro who was uh, like two years older than me. There was Stan Dulles, who are setter. Yale Ribbons, the Libero, Louis Stur was one year younger than me. Uh, all the guys actually who are in national team right now, basically all of them were also in volleyball school. Not maybe in my same class, but a uh, year younger, year older. In my same class, there is one guy, Martin Colson, maybe you know him, uh, who's also a part of the national team now. So that's pretty cool. And it is like a, a generational thing, yeah. which hopefully just rolls Generations over. Generations that. Uh, yeah. Actually, the generations that are in volleyball uh, in uh, the national team right now, um, yeah, we kind of made it big in a sense. Those were like our, our golden generation so far, I'd say, with the best results so far. Uh, and now it's kind of we're in a transition zone uh, and transition where um, you know we're we need some young players to to come to uh to get better and to join our national team you know we need to some players are getting a little older and older and and you know we need some young uh, talents now so we're kind of i feel like a little bit in a tr transition uh, zone as a national team. what's old to you thomas <laughs> <laughs> what is old to you i mean for, for old for a volleyball uh, player eh, that you're already thinking like i'm close to like uh ending my career i guess like 33 or something then okay. you start to think already like uh, we're both over 30 yeah we'll, we'll stop there <laughs> that's it maybe maybe i'll never make it <laughs> after all but <laughs> well, let's talk about you getting into that national team then because you'd been playing uh for a few years you'd won some national championships and am i correct in thinking 2015 was your first senior call-up 
Yeah, maybe. I don't remember actually. I don't remember. Oh, you don't remember. <laughs> okay, so you don't you don't remember the moment where you kind of got the call. I do remember, but I don't remember the year, the exact year. Okay. Well, tell us about the experience then, finding out that you were going to be playing for the senior national team. Oh, well, team. so it was um it was actually pretty great because I still remember my first game with the national team. It was we were playing the EuroLeague back then. And um and yeah, I I went to Denmark with the team and I was uh I was 18 and uh we played our game we won and I played uh yeah a pretty amazing game actually I played I I think I scored like 10 out of 12 spikes or something which is like really like 80% or whatever like so I played an incredible game I was very like very nervous and uh you know playing with all these other guys um but still, I was like, wow, this is can get better. Like your first game with the national team, uh, dreamed about this uh, for a long time. So it was actually a great first game. Uh, I, I still remember very well. And then had a couple of years. Uh, so that year, for example, there was some other things like European Championship where I just didn't make like the 12 or something. But then there was one year, and I think I was maybe 19 where um, I did the preparation for the European Championship in Bulgaria. And um, I was really good. I was really good during the whole preparation and uh, felt really good. And I didn't make the cut. So I was like, okay, uh, it's a coach's decision. Um, so I was preparing to go to my club team, which was Mons. I was going to Italy. Uh, so I packed all my stuff. I was ready to get into the car. And the coach changed his mind a couple of days after he said you didn't make the team. So he called me and he said, uh, yes, Thomas, um, we would like you to come to the, to the European Championship with us. And I was like, yeah, I already told my club I'm going now and stuff. Uh, I'm about to like leave now. And then, um, but then, okay, then I said, uh, fine, I'll do it. And I came back to the team a week before or like five days before the start of the tournament. And... I was practicing, I was still feeling well. And <laughs> we played the first game against Poland and this coach started me. <laughs> and I, well, I went from, from like getting, like not making the team to like starting six against Poland, <laughs> the first uh, European championship uh, game in, in Bulgaria there. So it was, that was a crazy, crazy little uh, roller coaster, you know? But from then on, I guess I was like, yeah, then I was like more starting six and yeah. What a there. European Championship debut, Poland! Yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. Crazy. Yeah. <laughs> Did that feel like it was a bigger game than anything you'd experienced so far in your career? Ooh, I was I was really nervous. Yeah, I uh, we played against uh, Poland first game, yeah. Kurek uh, and stuff. I, I always looked up to Kurek, like he was like my idol uh, when I was younger. And I blocked him like two, twice, I think, or something, and like really hard. So I was like, as a young guy, like, yeah, so uh, so excited and a little like, because it's not just you can play maybe like lower teams in the European Championship as well, but it was Poland, you know, the first mm -hmm. game, and it was Poland. So very nervous. We didn't win, but uh, still, I hit pretty well, and I was like, okay, I get this chance. Like I don't have anything to lose, and I'll just uh, give it my all and see. So. Um, Thomas, I found your first ever match just while you were talking through that. Your memory is incredible. It was 10 out of 12 spikes. Yeah. No way. <laughs> can you can you, can you you remember who you were playing? Denmark, I think. Yeah, Denmark. it was Denmark. Yeah, yeah. 
Denmark yeah. in 2013. Yeah. And, was, and they were doing this special, uh, they were trying this new thing out where the sets were only till 21. They were until 25. It was so... Oh, so you would have got way more. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, so from that moment, yeah, you're in the team. I can see it. Yeah. Goodness me. That was 2013. So, so. So, th that was your first major competition then. You played in the EuroLeague and in 2015, so you lost that game to Poland, but then you beat Slovenia, you beat Belarus, you get out of the group, then eventually you lost to Germany in the playoffs. What did that feel like from a personal perspective and from a team perspective? Was that kind of what you expected or did you think you could have gone a little further? uh yeah yeah because yeah germany we know germany pretty well so and they were they had vital uh as a coach mm. who is a uh, belgian and they had a really good team um but for us it was more like you know we, we need to build momentum and mm -hmm. when uh we don't have the biggest talents in uh, europe we don't have the biggest players but we do know when we are able to play really well together and have this like kind of all oh, like a belgian fire let's say <laughs> where we're all together uh, as as like really like a group of friends because like i said because of this volleyball school and everything that we had together all those guys on the team we all know each other so well so if we have this momentum we can win against those like really top teams but everything needs to be right we need we all need to be like on like uh, tips of our toes um and we already had a lot of like situations where it felt like that we could have done more and we weren't able to finish it off or something against those kind of teams and then you know if you can do that against those kind of teams you'll never win against the best teams in the world and back then germany was one of the better teams in the in the world i think hmm. so fast forward two years is that what happened in 2017 and everything clicked because your run in eurovolley 27 was impressive we were we we were fourth yeah that was... It's better to say you were semi-finalist. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. And then ended up fourth. Yeah, but yeah. Fourth. yeah. Uh, and we lost against the winner. Uh, let's say yeah, exactly. and we lost against Russia. That was, for yeah. me, that was, I think, our best uh, tournament so far. We, it was with Vital again, with Vital Hainan. And um, yeah, we our first game was against France. And we won 3-2 against France, who was the team at the moment as well. You know, in Gambette, and they had everything and we we beat them 3-2 and it was our first game we were like what <laughs> you know? and, your, and your neighbors they're your neighbors yeah, yeah yeah and from that like after that game we kind of like you know really started to believe in ourselves and we just we beat italy i think 3-1 or 3-0 i think it was 3-0 yeah wasn't we, it we, we beat a couple of teams that were really good teams you know and yeah and then in the end we played against russia and russia was too strong that's we, we we had to admit that and then we had this this cursed game for this bronze medal you know where it always it was a 3-2 against serbia and serbia they never give up and it was a back and forth and in the end yeah we we didn't we weren't able to or we didn't have the experience or we were i don't know we did we were not able to win that game unfortunately so with that tournament then um, did that feel like an overachievement? Did it feel like an opportunity missed because you didn't come away with a medal? Or again, did it just sort of reach the expectations that you had as a group? I think obviously you want the medal, so disappointed about that for sure. Um, but I felt like 
it was kind of um, a reward for, we felt like we were able to do that and we deserved it in a sense because we had been performing multiple summers pretty well and we had been showing like we we're ready to compete against these uh, top top teams, you know. Uh, so for us, it was more like the confirmation and the reward we got for our hard work to show we can beat uh, not maybe not any uh, anybody in the world, but like we're really like uh, ready for this, you know, for the top. And then, unfortunately, uh, we were in World League as well after we won this European League and stuff. And then we got uh, degraded, I guess, uh, and we are playing European League. And that was kind of a se uh, step back for us as well, unfortunately. And that was out of our hands. So that was uh, mm. obviously not that nice after the good uh, performances, you know, of our team. Um, well, sticking with Euro Valley 2017, you were obviously with Vital Heinen then. Um, he's one of my favourite coaches because I obviously watch quite a bit of volleyball and I wouldn't say it becomes boring or repetitive, but I generally end up focusing on, on the smaller aspects of the sport. And I just sometimes watch him for whole rallies. It's fascinating. <laughs> How was it to be coached by him? <laughs> oh, he's a, yeah, he's definitely a personality. He's definitely an entertainer. I worked with him in Friedrichshaven. So after my year in yeah, Italy, um, he said, Thomas, I'm going to be the coach of the national team. I'd like to work with you for a whole year. And I was like, sure, um, great coach, uh, great uh, trainer. So worked with him a whole year, had a lot of experiences. And the thing is, um, I was struggling a lot that year, like being kind of frustrated and, and stuff, because he always puts the finger on the wound, always makes you say, Every day he tells you, Thomas, this is not like you're not doing this good enough. You're not doing this good. So he really pushes you a lot, and you get really frustrated sometimes. Like kind of, a, oh, this guy, you know, this annoying guy. And um, but I learned the most out of that season with him. Um, so I really respected him in that sense, where you know you can see that this guy is maybe not always nice to you, but he's making you so much better, you know, uh, in his own way because he has his own personality and it's also, you know, like he is uh, during the games, he gets competitive. He's uh, kind of an entertainer and he's a, he, he's, a, he's a whole character, you know, it's difficult to explain. Um, but as a coach, as a trainer, he, uh, he taught me so much. So I, I really liked our first summer together with the national team um, when he was telling us like you guys are just, shit in a sense <laughs> basically, <laughs> sorry for my language but basically uh every day he was telling us like you know you need to be better you need to do this better now and then we qualified for the world championship with him first summer with him we we had this result in poland on the european championship we had a great world league um and that was all in one summer with him while you know that everybody every player knows working with vital you need some time to kind of understand how his way, how he works, and do you need to be able to like get on that train? But it, it takes you some time. In the beginning, you'll be a little shocked. So we were like, one summer is great already, like pretty good results after one summer. Um, and then, yeah, unfortunately, he signed with Poland, um, which obviously in Belgium, they we were kind of upset about. But uh, on a personal level, you kind of also understand he's super ambitious, and he had the, the possibility and he became world, world champion with Poland so he made the right decision for his career as a as a coach cool. yeah. and is he is he exactly the same um 
know, let's say behind the camera or off the camera like because when we do interviews with him or when he do yeah. any features or, or when the when the game's happening everyone has this image of Vito Heinen is he the same in training does, does nothing I kind of think he is I, uh, everybody that also knows him you know knows that he has a lot of energy and he talks a lot um, but it's kind of the same in practice uh, more but more that like he he gets pissed off when you know when he needs to and he he makes it really clear to the team like i'm not satisfied and everybody's like okay if Vital's not satisfied like that's that's not good <laughs> like you know so i would say like he's definitely not like a different person uh off and uh on the camera and his job is to get to make you better players so yeah and he, yeah. And he, and he achieved yeah. that so yeah just different methods. Yeah, but- I've always wanted to have a debate between him and um, Giovanni Gadetti. I'd love to get those two on a topic they're both really passionate about. Yeah. <laughs> I think that would be fascinating yeah. to see those two debating. Yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, we'll we'll see. Yeah. Um, whilst we're on Eurovolley 2017, where you where you lost to Russia, I thought now would be a good time, Dave, to do the Mystery Man. Ah, yeah, that's a good idea. Mystery Man. Uh, where, where are we up to with it, Matt? Well... It's been a few more clues released since Thomas last last heard about it. So just to make sure everyone is up to date, we are now reaching the last one. So today is the big reveal. Okay. Uh, we've had 16 clues until now. I'm going to try and go through them rapid fire. Well, while you just before you go through them, just uh, just a reminder that in a previous episode, Thomas first guessed Svetan Sokolov, and I could neither okay. confirm nor deny. Thomas, do you think you that's couldn't. the do you think that's the correct answer? Uh no. No. Okay. Uh, I have a different candidate. All right, let's uh, let's give you some more clues then. Well, judging by the clues that have come out now, I'm hoping you get this right, uh, Thomas. So, I'm going to go through them in the order that they've gone out. So, it's a volleyball player, won the Champions League, shoe size is 14. Must that must be normal in volleyball though, right? <laughs> 14. Um right-handed, won the European Championships, um best known for his spiking. Only played for two clubs. That's quite rare. Born in 1988, so I, that's old, right? Old, <laughs> old man. Surprised he doesn't need a walking <laughs> stick or a wheelchair. Uh, never won the world championships. Volleyball idol is Sergei Chichukin. Um, was born in March. Two meters, three centimeters tall. Has won Olympic gold. That's a big clue, isn't it? Um, country he is from, Russia. So we know he's Russian. We know he's the opposite hitter, and we know he wears shirt number 17. So Thomas. I'm hoping now you've got this. 17, I would say Maxim Mikhailov. If it's not Maxim Mikhailov, then we're all completely fooled, aren't we? Because <laughs> a Russian opposite hitter with a shirt number of 17. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so let's just double check. I feel like this is the last ball out of the bag, you know, and you have to just double check that we're all on, on course. Who are you? I'm Maxim Mikhailov. He gets it. Well guessed, Thomas. Yes. Because that would have been embarrassing if you hadn't got that. Yeah, but at first I was like, uh, Muzerski maybe, because he's also from 88. And he, oh, uh, is he? Okay, he's a little blocker, but he also played as an opposite when they won like a True. medal in, uh, on, in the Olympics. So I was like, Muzerski maybe, but then the shoe, uh, shoe size 14 was like, Ooh, maybe he has a... <laughs> <laughs> maybe he's a 16. I don't know. I don't know what his shoe size is. But yeah, Maxim Mihailov. Nice. While we're on the topic of Mikhailov, you've played against him a couple of times. What's he like to face? Oh, he's uh, he's the most difficult guy to block by far. Oh, yeah. I had really? a couple of... You kind of remember, like, the opposites. You can block or you can or you're having a lot of difficulties with. 
this guy I was always struggling with so much like blocking him uh he's just I think like a perfect example like he's so modest he won so many things already so many individual awards even and stuff and this guy is so modest and you can see him even in practices like before the games or something we see them practice and stretch and this and that this guy is like so professional so modest and he's one of the best in the world you know so that's you and then i also met him like off the court just like um kind of after after um game like in a restaurant and he's just like a very yeah again same like the same person super modest super polite uh even if he could have maybe like other other people in his situation would be like yeah i'm the star here of the no he's not like that so i like him a lot well, we're obviously leading up to an interview with him. So we, yeah. we talked to him a while back now, actually, wasn't it, Dave? It was. Um, it was. And that will go out prior to the Champions League season. No, and we did a few things with him. And one of them was we asked him to, to think back over the Champions League season one. And I don't think it's unfair to say, Dave, he, he struggled to separate them because yeah. there are so many. He, he couldn't really, he was like, was that 14 or 15? Yeah. <laughs> oh, <laughs> um, my God. Yeah. I tell you what else I really like as well, because translation's amazing. But the way in his accent, he calls it League of Champions. Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. But, but also you talking about all the things that he's achieved, Thomas. I think the fact that he's won so many Champions League MVPs being in the same team as Leon tells you everything you need yeah. to know about his yeah. quality yeah. on the court. What, what makes him so hard to block, just out of interest? I mean, for me, mostly he's so hard to read first of all he's so high you know so you need to already like really try to jump as high as you can every single time you know you're not that's not the kind of player where you say just like straight hands good like positioning timing you need to get to his height first of all you know once you're there like you can't read him in my opinion like, he's so straight he's so like always the same and he has all these hits that are super long in the court but like from the same position so i'm like ah this guy is like going line and then he can always go diagonal anyways and then sometimes like I can never read him you know and he can always see me like so you I was like maybe I was too early or something but I was like, this guy I've never blocked before you know because I love blocking opposites and opposites spike really hard so you can block them and it's a really good feeling you know but with him it was it's really hard yeah yeah, I said to Dave actually before we recorded this. I, he for me, he's just robotic. Like it, everything always looks yeah. like it's copy paste, and that him, that shows when you've mastered yeah, it, doesn't yeah. it? They call him a uh, machine gun, Mikhailov, I think. Yeah. Ah, uh, yeah. I've heard that. Yeah, uh, Maxim, uh, something with machine gun like it's so like automatic, you know. Well, whenever you play him from now on, you know I will be watching for you to try and block him, <laughs> and if you do, I will celebrate with you. He's struggling and sure. thinking and oh, I'm gonna block this guy. <laughs> do you have? Do you have any sort of individual moments? You, in fact, you spoke about it on your debut where you made a block against a player that you really admired. But, you know, in a, in a volleyball match, there are 150, 200, sometimes more points required to get to the end of the game. Yeah. Are there any blocks that you make or, or winning hits that you yeah. make that really stand out in your mind? Yeah, I guess mostly the clutch moments you know mostly when you're able to finish a match or something those are pretty pretty epic like those you you remember definitely when it was like a 3-2 or something or a very close game those you remember um individual actions 
you know, maybe sometimes like a huge blocker here or there because like in spike you can have like you spike more than you block you know um and for example i was playing uh in this european championship we were playing the netherlands against nimir abdelaziz and this guy was so so nice to block you know because he spikes so hard <laughs> so the feeling is just so wonderful when he spikes in your arms um yeah but he was just starting as an opposite back then and now like a couple of years later uh i played again like we played practice game against him again and i had no chance <laughs> and then I was like, this guy is a yeah, serious serious opposite uh talking to those crunch moments when you're playing a game of volleyball do you follow the score and I know it's a silly question, but like every point, do you check in? Okay, and now it's 15, now it's 17. Or are you more like play and every now and again check the score? I mean, it's more, I think when it's close for sure. Uh, but once you start like, you know, being down a couple of points, then you stop looking for sure. Because then you're like, we got to find our, like, we got to find our game now. And you, you can't like look at the scoreboard right now because you're four, five points down, you know? When you're ahead, four or five points, you're kind of like following, but not as serious as well. But uh, yeah, when it's close, obviously, like you follow it for sure. Because I mean, I, I was a low level player, but I did this fascinating thing with a coach once where we played a game and we couldn't see the score. And it was literally like, oh, you've won or you've lost. <laughs> and what, what it proved to us was that we were playing differently in the 20s yeah. compared to the start yeah. because we knew it was the 20s. Oh, yeah. I can imagine. So, yeah. yeah, I can imagine for sure. But that's also why it's not nice, in my opinion, when you in practice play a game six against six and there's no score because you're so much more free and you try so much more stuff and there's no there's basically no pressure yeah. You, know? yeah you need pressure because in the in the games you know and then there's fans and then there's everything then you need to be ready for those moments so semi-finalists in 2017 finishing fourth in brackets. Um, <laughs> let's move on to 2019. That must have been different playing in Belgium. And obviously yes. the format changed. You yes. had more, more, more games in the pool. How, how was 2019 looking back now? Oh, yeah. It was, yeah. Our group phase was very, very good. Like, first of all, in our own country. So uh, that was a unique experience. And yeah, we won uh, all our games in the group phase besides the one against Serbia. And Serbia won the tournament so basically if you win against belgium you, <laughs> yeah, yeah. you get the, medal <laughs> get the gold medal yeah <laughs> serbia won it uh so our group phase was great and then we played ukraine in um i don't know how you call it like the eight finals not, not like yeah finals. first round of the playoffs yeah 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 for uh and we played ukraine um and ukraine had a really good team with some really good players and honestly like kind of underestimated them in a sense because we lost that game 3-2, or also our opposite. Um, to the, the practice before the game landed, and he had something in his back. He couldn't play, uh, so the, the team was, like, mixed up a little, and, yeah, we lost, so that was that was devastating. That was really, like, yeah, it's just over. We were like, wow, the tournament is over. So great group phase, but we weren't able to, you know, to do it when it mattered, and quarterfinals was kind of our goal, like, because there were, like, quarterfinals and then we see where we where we end up you know um yeah and you got yourself in a position to to win that game as well hadn't you because you lost the first set then in sets two and three you won them yeah. quite comfortably by i think it was seven points both times yeah yeah it was it was one of those games that was super um you know where emotions were high and and you know like 
we were we were also a little bit like what is happening you know we are like we we have to win this game like ukraine we need to like uh we need to win this this game and move on to the quarterfinals but yeah you can't think like this is that you got to think every game at a time you know which which we didn't and also like ukraine played very well like that's also something we shouldn't like forget you know because in belgium obviously people were disappointed um and i was too but at the same time ukraine was also a pretty good team it's not because they were ukraine and not like uh, italy or something that they didn't play really well as well yeah, yeah i think it's important to acknowledge that they went five sets with serbia the next round as well i mean they were a, <laughs> they were a pretty serious yeah. pretty serious yeah. team no kind of underdog of the of the whole competition hmm. How how is it different when you play at home? I mean, I'm assuming that if you had a choice, you'd always play at home rather than away. But that does bring added pressure, doesn't it? Because there's sometimes expectation. And our mystery man, now Maxime Mihailov, everyone knows, he was talking about playing in Kazan. There's like an expectation. And when they won that Champions League in Kazan, it was kind of like a we're just waiting for it to happen feeling from Mm. the crowd. Yeah, And that brings pressure, doesn't it? That that must change mentality. On a different level, I think we had that against Ukraine. You know, and, uh, yeah. and in the group phase, it was uh, Germany was the team to beat for us because we were like, or Serbia or Germany, but Serbia was in this momentum and you could see, okay, Serbia is really high level, like playing high level volleyball. So we were like, we won Germany. That was great. Spain, uh, the rest, Austria and stuff, uh, Slovakia. Um, but then, yeah, then then it was pressure for for sure because then we're like, oh, Belgium is really good. This is their chance in own, uh, you know, in their own country. They they might like be able to get further in the competition. And then yeah, then uh, you you kind of are the favorite against Ukraine, and we are not very used to being the favorite. So maybe you know we weren't able to uh, manage this stress uh, good enough. Hmm. What about future ambitions then? So. You said there you had like expectations within tournaments. So quarterfinals was 2019. That was the kind of target or expectation. Yeah. Looking at the bigger picture, what what's the ambition for for Thomas? Well, like I I already said before, I think we're kind of, um, in my opinion, and I think we have to say the things as they are. We're kind of in a transition uh, moment in our national team, where we had a couple of uh, coaches, and they didn't stick around. It all stayed. Then it was Anastasi, then it was Ankerkova, and now we have a new coach, Fernando Munoz, Spanish coach, and we want to build something, but on the long term, we can't like just have a coach for one year. You know, we need mm-hmm. to develop something and we need to have a goal. And right now, our goal is very clear as Belgians. In volleyball, we haven't been to the Olympic Games, so we'll really try to work to get to the Olympic Games in Paris in 2024. But that's going to be like some de- decisions are going to have to be made, you know, players wise and also like structure wise, like we need to develop something with one coach and we need to have like younger players also um, coming to have new influences in our team. Because like I said, this team was already together for a very long time. So for us, it's kind of, um, yeah, Corona now we're going to practice a little bit and then we're going to go to our team, our club teams, but uh, it's going to be important and crucial uh summers for us the next summers to try and develop something uh something new because now we've been going on on this like good um results and like okay we're on the map now but what now you know now we're we're at a turning point that we have to think about and 
see how that develops. Does the Olympics seem like a realistic goal though? Because if I if I look at the trajectory, well, even as since you've been a part of the national team, you're back qualifying for world championships now when you hadn't done it for decades yeah, before. Yeah. You're getting through the group phases of the European championships and showing like you can push in yeah. to, to the latter stages and, and as you said before, be any team if you play well, if you play your game. So Europe is, I don't think anyone would dispute the most difficult continent to qualify for an Olympic Games out of. So, you know, honestly, in your heart of hearts, is it a possibility? And is that the kind of success level that you'll hang your hat on as a a pro now? Is the Olympics the main thing that you really want to get out of pro volleyball? I think for European... uh teams to to get to the Olympics is so much harder and in a sense um, it's a little unfair in the sense that like if we would be there in the Olympic Games I'm sure we would be able to beat teams uh, uh, different teams that are there from other continents so I know like for Europe there's limited uh, places but I think also maybe they're going to like they, they're seeing this in volleyball okay this is the case Europe has a lot of really good countries and some that deserve to be there uh, it's up to us to like prove that we deserve to be there, of course. But I think maybe there might be some change in the way they do it, you know. And I think that would be necessary, honestly, to have a realistic image of how volleyball is uh, on a on a global level, you know. Um, is it realistic? I mean, a couple of years ago, World Championships and stuff were not even realistic for a Belgian national team, and we've already made it pretty far. So. I think it is important for us to set a goal and also like, you know, to believe in it. And then you never know what happens. For, for me, I think it's absolutely realistic because the teams that have qualified for Tokyo, you have beaten from Europe. So even if you just take the current pathway, I think that all that needs to happen is you've got to have that tournament where everything clicks yeah. at the moment when it most matters for the Olympics. And if that happens, absolutely it's possible. Yeah, yeah. true. Correct, but we played against the States uh, in the first round, like last summer, I, I think. And the States, yeah, they were, they were, we played good, but the States were too strong for us, you know, and then it was uh, already over, basically, and then we had to go to the second round. And there we played all these uh, great teams where eventually France, uh, you know, was able to qualify. And yeah, that, that makes it definitely hard as second round. You have to have a little bit of luck in that first round, maybe, with what teams you have in your group. Uh, but the second round, for sure, for European teams, like the teams that are there are really good, you know. That was such a weird tournament, though, in January, where France lost the two games in the group stages and then just arrived yeah. in time for the final yeah. against Germany. It was, yeah, was pretty crazy. <laughs> yeah. So my question is quite simple, that potentially, if it doesn't work out in 24, there is a, an easier route to get to the Olympics. And I only mean that in the sense of qualifications. There's more teams. There's less players required to be of the Olympic level. Is beach something you've ever thought about from a, from a, like a career point of view? I mean, uh, let's say sport wise, for sure. I love the sport. It's great. Like, uh, I think I would be also pretty good at it. Um, but the thing is in Belgium, it's hard. We have one duo and they're pretty decent. And they were really close to going to the Olympic Games, uh, qualifying for the Olympic Games. But uh, there's no there's no funding in Belgium for beach volleyball. We're not a beach volleyball country, which is unfortunate. 
so it's it's hard but that duo is kind of setting a path for like hopefully like uh younger players and stuff so i honestly like say i might consider it i wouldn't give up my volleyball career for it right now for sure not um but you know it's 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 a great sport and like you said like if you have the chance to go to the olympics uh it's still like kind of it has similarities with uh indoor volleyball you know so i i definitely like consider it but not right now and also like i said in belgium it has to get a little better when it comes to like the professionalism and the funding and all that around beach volleyball yeah the man's got to eat yeah yeah <laughs> that's funny dave isn't it because you asked a similar thing to sam Deroe and he said a very similar answer yeah yeah i we would consider like playing together maybe who knows <laughs> it'd, be, it'd be a good well, team yeah yeah I'd, I'd love to see it you must do it for a bit of fun though sometimes as with sam and other players on the national team play beach yeah right now we're actually with an with a couple of guys from the national team we are uh, and the assistant coach of the national team we have some beach practices because the official program only starts next week monday uh and we were anxious to like start you know playing again uh, <laughs> so yeah we were just like outdoor as possible with like a few guys so we're just uh practicing like two three times a week in the in the sand just also prepares you really well for uh indoor so how's you how's your jumping been can you still get up? <laughs> it's actually pretty okay. I was uh, I was expecting worse, so <laughs> I'm hopeful. And there's also obviously snow volleyball. I mean, who knows? Within the next four to eight years, there's there's talk of snow volleyball being. Yeah, 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 I know, I know. Can you imagine the mass migration of players who are going to think I'm going to get oh, to wow. the Winter Olympics? Yeah. Just... yeah, that's actually a good point. <laughs> Mate, it's a, it's a great sport. Do you do you ski? Uh, yeah, before my I mean, before my volleyball career, I used to, yeah. But like during volleyball, you can't do it, and it's one of the yeah. biggest things I miss actually, or hate giving up because of volleyball. But that's a that's a good point, snow volleyball. But I think it needs some time still to like get like develop a little bit. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, we're talking like six years, I think, here minimum. But potentially, if you see out the next Olympic cycle, yeah. I mean, I play yeah. in Poland. I'm used to the cold now, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. oh, amazing. Oh. My perfect player. Shall we attempt my perfect player, Matt? So, it's quite simple, really. You have to build the ultimate volleyball player, and you can take characteristics from different players that you've played with or against. Yeah. So you could say, for example, I don't know, uh, jump. You want Dami Makari. It could be that you say um, spike. You want Maxim Mihailov. Yeah. It could be that you say block. You want Svetlan Sokolov. Whatever it is. Um, and it can be physical things like those, or it could be like the competitive, the fighting yeah. side of things, the focus, the drive, whatever it is you want to be. So just some characteristics that you think are important for a volleyball player, and then who you would take that characteristic from. Okay, so I think I would base it on, in general, on Juan Torena. Um, but, uh, but like with different uh, attributes from different players. But I think he is or the most complete volleyball player okay. uh, and definitely in my position. Um, but I would take this, the ball handling skills of uh, Kubiak. Uh, amazing, amazing technical abilities in every aspect of the game, reception-wise, uh, spiking. So I would take uh, his ball handling skills. 
I would take Leon, uh, Leon's hammer, you know, his, uh, his arm. Uh, he has crazy long arms and he spikes so strong uh, and obviously jumps really well. But I'm, I wouldn't want to, for example, jump like too high, to be honest. Like Quantorena or Leon or something is fine, but they're not like those guys that are like extreme, you know, because mostly the guys who jump too high are sometimes too high, even in block and stuff. Like it's easier to, to score on them and stuff. So I would have like a good jump, but not like exaggerated. Um, but then I was thinking about the serve. I would take maybe Anderson serve, maybe. I would uh, maybe uh, maybe take Leon serve. What about more of like the, the mental side of things then? The mental side of things, I would say I would take my... Uh, my personality <laughs> yeah because you it's, good, it's the one you know best you always have to respect yourself as a player and you always have to yeah. somewhere believe that you can be the best at something um and i would take my uh my personality on the court uh in the sense of um i know i uh i know that i have something i can give to my teammates that everybody appreciates playing with me in a sense where i can bring a lot of energy in a team uh in a positive way but I mean, that's maybe one of my uh, best traits to, to have that, you know, like that uh, mental aspect. So I would take that for me. I can see that. I can see that. And for a bit of fun, whose hair would you take for this perfect thing? Because you've had a few different hairs. <laughs> oh, yeah. Now I'm growing my hair long again. But <laughs> I made the mistake of cutting it. And before I had long hair and I felt so much better with the long hair. So, But I was making net mistakes, uh, touching the net with my hair. Uh, but, <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, I really was. <laughs> In you should have just had a ponytail and, and like clipped it into yeah, the back yeah, of your head. Exactly, exactly. And there was this thing in Poland. There were uh, two times, like they said, net mistake, and they could see it on uh, on TV that it was the hair touching the net. But the rules say that the hair can touch the net. Uh, yeah, I was gonna say because in girls volleyball, it's it's fine to touch the net. Exactly. So yeah. So I tweeted and uh, like uh, plus Liga. Hey, come on, you need to know your rules. And <laughs> I got some comments from uh, Polish ex-players like uh, Ignac Zak and stuff like and they're like or maybe you should just cut your hair you know? and like, <laughs> oh, yeah this is uh, but, yeah. but now it's going long again yeah. hate is gone hate as they say yeah yeah. but the perfect player yeah I mean I think it's super interesting we uh, with my teammates from last year made like our perfect ideal starting six and stuff and it, mm -hmm. it's hours of discussing um, but definitely I like, think Two of the best players right now are, are Juan Torrena and Leon on the receiving end. Juan Torrena is already getting a little older and still he is still doing it. You know, he's jumping lower than he was before and he's still doing it and proving it every single time. So that's huge. Yeah. How many, yeah. how many kilometers of tape throughout his career do you think Juan Torrena has had on his fingers? <laughs> <laughs> you have those players it's like you really Atanasievich is the same and they, I also wonder like what is what is wrong like how much time does that take like I didn't have time before a practice like to to tape my fingers that much I wonder <sighs> if they have a tape sponsor that'd be quite funny wouldn't it I mean I Just... hope for them they do yeah <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, um, must do. Must there's not much space for any advertising or anything, is there? It's not like you could have the, yeah, but the brand be, going. Oh, that's a business uh, idea. Oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna start it. I'm gonna start my own volleyball tape. <laughs> tape. Yeah. There's a market for that. <sighs> yeah, and it's four, four letters. Tape. You could just that could be the brand. Yeah, that it? could be tape. on your knuckles. 
<laughs> like when bikers used to have love and hate tattooed on their knuckles, you could just have it across there. Uh, right then, this is getting silly, and I think it would be a good point to draw this to a close. Um, Thomas, it's been so great to chat to you about the national team today and about everything we've spoken about it's during these pleasure. episodes. If you could, if you could sort of have an ambition, hopefully you've got 10 years left as a, as a professional volleyball player, but in terms of your achievements as a Red Dragon, as a Belgian international, what would mean success for you when you decide to call it a day? I mean, I got to say Olympics because uh, it's the thing I think every athlete wants and I've been dreaming about that for the longest time. So I really want to do whatever it takes to maybe one day get to the Olympics. And what, what better way to do it than to qualify for, for Paris? I mean, that would be just down the road. That's kind of our, uh, it's, that is our uh, main subject. It's like road to Paris 2024. Yeah. We start already this summer. So I like that, you know, we have a clear yeah. goal and, you know, everybody has to be able to sacrifice whatever is necessary to, to at least try, you know. Well, we will be following with interest. Yeah, that's for sure. Absolutely. Uh, appreciate Can't wait that. to see how it unfolds. Thank you. This has been absolutely lovely episodes. It's been great to get to know you. Uh, Matt Rogers, anything to report from HQ? Uh, not a lot. Just excited to start looking into next season, really. Um, so, yeah, next week's podcast will be um, all about next season, the upcoming season. And we've got, obviously, Mystery Man now revealed, Maxim Mihailov. He'll do a feature. And we've also got Gabby, who's going to be talking around her first year in Vakiv Bank and plans for the future. There is not a volleyball podcast that gets the big names that we do. Still doing episodes on Mondays and Friday. Monday for the A-Space Friday to join myself, Matt and Key with the unscripted or the debate. And we're actually doing the videos on a Wednesday now. So it's a good job you've done your hair, Thomas. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but thank you very much for listening. As always, please like, subscribe, tell your friends, keep spreading the good word because we really do enjoy bringing the A-Space podcast to you. But most importantly, join us for the next episode. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye, guys.